Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Talksport Daily podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whether your business needs cars, vans, or larger commercial vehicles, you can rent from the best lineup in the UK with Enterprise. And with flexible long-term rental, you can get vehicles for as long as you need them, from minutes to months. Whatever the mission, Enterprise's mobility experts can build a bespoke solution to suit your business needs. Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more. She's driving home. Can she do it? Yes! We have history! The first lady jockey to win the Grand National is Manella Times and Rachel Blackmore. And it's been won for the first time by a lady jockey. Lovely ride this. Onassis comes clear to win. Hayley Turner, the head turner, wins the Sandringham. Tifa 2 that leads the way on the run to the line. Kukan is rallying, but it's Tifa 2. He's just going to face the memory of his Cheltenham spill and win the Betway Bowl. Lizzie Kelly and Tifa 2, their biggest day. Deep inside the final furlong, it's Mistress Nelly who's got the lead for Holly Doyle. History in the making here. Mistress Nelly is out in front. Holly Doyle for a five-timer. Can she just hold on? Yes, she can. I'm Talk Sports racing correspondent and commentator Rupert Bell. Racing has been in my blood all my life, and I've seen it all from Arkell winning the Cheltenham Gold Cup in the 60s to the brilliance of Frankel and to Rachel Blackmore's grand national victory last year. And I'm two-time Cheltenham Festival winner and retired British jockey Lizzie Kelly. I was the first female to win a Grade 1 chase on T for 2 at Kempton in 2015. In a historically male-dominated sport, times are changing. This is Trailblazers, the groundbreaking female jockeys. Over the next hour, you'll hear from some of the biggest names in racing, including Ruby and Katie Walsh. There was nothing that Jennifer or Katie couldn't do that myself or Ted were allowed to do. The minute you see yourself as being female, you're the one with the problem in anything in any walk of life. The first female rider to win five races in one day, Holly Doyle. I remember a teacher telling me, Holly, but you need a backup plan, you can't be a jockey. And I was thinking, I can. Former American jockey with over 3,500 wins, Julie Crone. There was never a time in my life when there wasn't always someone saying to me, I will never ride you on a horse because you're a girl jockey. And 2021 Grand National winner herself, Rachel Blackmore. It's a level playing field. Gender, I think, has gone out the window. I just think that conversation is over. If there are girls who want to do it, like that can't be a, a negative in their brain at all. As we take you through generations of trailblazing female jockeys and their impact on the sport.
Rachel Blackmore, I doff my cap to you. Sorry, it's really quite emotional because though you're told from a really young age that you can't do it and Rachel's just proved that you can do it and sorry I don't mean to be so emotional but it means so much to all of us and she's such a nice girl and she really does deserve it. Sorry, I'm just managing to pull myself together. Yeah, I mean she's she is just fantastic and she's, you know, a role model for all those girls in the sport that, that want to make it and, you know, this year she's really just just proved that she can, you know, that it can be done and, you know, when, when girls start out in the sport and they're, they're, they're laughed at when they say they want to be a jockey, people are now going to be able to say, well, you know, Rachel Blackmore did it, so I can too. Lizzie, you and I have heard that a lot, but it never fails to leave a mark on me that your reaction was just, at the time, and look, we're nearly a year on from it, was just such a spontaneous outpouring of emotion. Your reaction just was way beyond what I expected. Yeah, yeah, and probably what I expected too. Um, But I think that it was really important for a lot of reasons... For me, I always loved the Grand National. That was the race of the year that I enjoyed watching the most as a child. And having crossed paths with Rachel a lot in my career and before I really got going and the same with her, you know, that that added an extra element to it. And also, I suppose, an added extra is to be there too, to witness it yourself, um, to see that happen was, was a really big thing for me. And actually it was a privilege because obviously there weren't many people there. No. So we were in an exalted position. You know, the Grand National has been part of my DNA since I was a small child. It was one of my early television memories, watching it in colour. Surely to achieve his first great time, it's Brown Fletcher on Red Alligator, a long way clear of Moidor's token and different class, fighting it out for second place. And fresh as a daisy, this Red Alligator, coming up to the line, the comfortable winner of the 1968 National. It's in my DNA, but to see that happen, and in a way it was wonderful for Rachel, because she'd had this fabulous Cheltenham week, you know, three or four weeks before. Come into the final stages. What a memorable moment. Honeysuckle and is applauded by the crowd that is here because that was devastating. She maintains her unbeaten record. Rachel Blackmore goes into record books in the champion hurdle. You're doing what you do every day of the week. You're still trying to achieve the same things. You know, you go to Cheltenham, it's the same ambition you have of the day. So I think you have the nerves, but they they disappear once you get going. She was floating on air and she made it look ridiculously easy. She tends to, to to sort of find the right way to ride the horse in the right race, you know, tactically. And it was a very exciting race to watch. It always is. But you could kind of see her edging closer and closer. And you, you, you know, we had a we we saw her, didn't we? And picked her out and thought she's travelling really well. And at the time, you know, you're just picking out a horse like that one there. And it wasn't until you know you go back and have a quick look whilst you're doing the commentary that you realise, you know, crikey, this could happen today. It's a family affair. You're from a horsey family. You've been grown up riding horses from a, a small girl. 
Yet you were told you weren't going to uh, make it. You say, I can't do this. Explain, why were you told that? I was told that sort of repeatedly as a young child, not so much from my family, although, you know, they weren't sort of thought I was just being a little bit over the top, over enthusiastic. But, you know, I'd go racing with my parents and I'd be standing there holding my mum's hand in the weighing room, waiting for the jockeys to come out to collect the saddle or whatever, and my brother would also be there. And maybe someone would come up and start talking to my mum and they'd, I'd say, oh, I want to be a jockey. Uh, and I'd sort of get laughed at, whereas my brother would, you know, get a, a pat on the head and said, oh, yes, what a good boy. And the reaction was completely different. And from women as well, who would say, oh, you know, I wanted to be a jockey once as well and sort of very patronising and condescending. And I just I just started telling people I wanted to be the next Britney Spears. Well, you are an opera singer. You are musically trained. Yes, yeah, so at least there was a hope. <laughs> It affected you in such a way and said, I want to prove you wrong. I don't see why I can't. Nothing was going to get in the way. Was that your feeling? Yeah, pretty much. I was I was probably always someone that used that as my motivation, even when things were hard, you know, even when I had to like lose a lot of weight or things like that for a ride. It was always, you know, if if, if the lads can do it, I have to be able to do it. And that was the driving force for me now at the feet of Lizzie Kelly she's aboard T for two at the last fence and jumps it clear by two and a half lengths T for two will win a first ever grade one win in Britain over jumps for a female rider when you won your grade one on at, at Kempton Boxing Day we the media reacted obviously because you were the first what was your reaction I mean I've seen the pictures and I could see you know you gave it a bit of a fist pump when you crossed the line but what were you thinking at the time? Not, I assume, I'm, oh, I've just become the first to win a great lady to win a grade one. No, not at all. It hadn't crossed my mind. I just assumed that Katie Walsh or Nina Carberry had already done it. They were the sort of, you know, my sort of heroes, people that I sort of came after. Thunder and Roses and Katie Walsh have come storming up on the near side. What a lady rider she is. 2015, the emphatic champion of the Hunters is on the fringe. A fantastic performance from the 5-2 to two favourite, ridden by Nina Carberry. I just assumed that they, they'd already done that. I was just delighted to have won a, a big race on at Kempton on Boxing Day, which, you know, you grow up watching on TV when you're a child. And the media reaction, it almost wasn't on the horse which you clearly loved and, and was integral and you that's why you committed to being professional, all the focus was on you. Did that annoy you? Yeah, it did. I, I always felt it was, I suppose, a shame in a way that the questions that I was asked from, you know, when I was being interviewed were always about me and how I felt about being in a weighing room and all those sorts of things. They never asked me oh, you know, what? where did you think you had the race won? You know, what sort of, how good do you think this horse is? It was almost like, you know, my my skill set wasn't good enough to be able to answer those questions, when of course it was. But there was just a, a, a different agenda. I always thought that that was almost positive discrimination in a way. Will you ever find a reason to react like that to a, a race win? I don't think anyone that isn't family can ever make me really, you know, emo emotionally involved as I was 
with that story because I think that a lot of that revolved around my own childhood and my own experiences and she just blew all of those bad things I'd experienced out of the water. And you worked together. Did you two, when you were doing that, ever think that you two would be achieving what you have achieved and actually Rachel going on to be a global superstar? No, certainly not. I mean, I, I met Rachel a long time ago. She was working for Shark Handling at the time and I was working for Willie Mullins and we had some sort of mutual friends and we, that's how we met. But I often think back to that and how we just never... Neither of us have ever sort of said to each other, oh, I want to be this and this is what I want to be. And um, to to sort of have had a little bit of... You know, experience with her through that stage when neither of we were just sort of bobbing about in Ireland, just try, trying, trying our luck. And she's turned into one of the great, well, the greatest female jockey that there's ever been. But it's been a long road to get to that feeling that Lizzie now has, that finally she won't feel the need to cry again. Because back in the 70s, when lady jockeys were allowed to ride in this country, it was still greeted with a great deal of patronising indifference many times, particularly when a lady jockey would ride in the Grand National. The first lady to do that was Geraldine Rees back in 1977. But it took a long time again before lady jockeys enjoyed success at Jump Racing's biggest meeting of them all. We were here exclusively from Grand National winning jockey and my friend Rachel Blackmore. She speaks about her rise to the top, the future for female jockeys and her life-changing national victory. I never envisaged it was something that I could achieve. Like it genuinely was never even a dream I had because my dreams couldn't even reach that far as the life I'm living now being associated with such incredible horses, uh, getting rides in Cheltenham on favourites. Like, it's it's really a life I never thought I could lead. This is Trailblazers, the groundbreaking female jockeys, with me, Rupert Bell, and two-time Cheltenham Festival winner, Lizzie Kelly. Today's female jockeys owe a lot to the generation that came before them, with the original female trailblazers acting as pioneers in very different times. Andy Wright takes the lead. Medallio Daro's running his heart out, but we could be looking at a new superstar out here. Candy Ride, the Argentinian bred, and Julie Crone win the Pacific Classic. Caroline Beasley bidding for Cheltenham Turf history, attempting to become the first lady to win at the festival. Eliogeny striding up towards the line. She's being traced by Earl Sprig and Captain Ned. They'll never catch her. Eliogeny striding away to win the Christie's Fox Hunters of 1983 in tremendous style. Well, a couple of significant moments. Julie Crone, who broke many records in America in the late 80s and in the 90s, including winning one of the Triple Crown races in the States. And Caroline Beasley, there described by 
the great Peter O'Sullivan winning the Fox Hunters chase at Cheltenham back in 83. That is very much perceived as the amateur's gold cup, but she was able to prove what was possible and no doubt was an inspiration for many a young rider. But Lizzie, who were your uh, inspiring figures? Well, Nina Carberry, absolutely. And it's Josie's orders and Nina Carberry in the lead off the bend with one to jump has gone four or five lengths clear. She was a jockey who was very sought after, especially at the big meetings. We'd, I would watch her obviously we didn't watch a lot of Irish racing back then but I'd watch her at things like big festivals and she was always very highly thought of very well respected and you know from other jockeys in the weighing room but also trainers that were putting her up Katie Walsh would also be another person that was highly skilled you mentioned that there were two Irish lady jockeys not many in this country. So did, did was it almost a feeling there weren't many around for you to get inspiration from? No, absolutely not. I, you know, there weren't really a huge amount of female jockeys in, in the country that I can particularly remember looking at and thinking, you know, I want to be like them. And that was one thing through my childhood that always used to be said was, oh, you can always spot a female jockey from a mile away when they're in a racing scenario with, with male jockeys. One of the trailblazers in the 70s was Jane Sloan, the daughter of John Thorne, who famously finished second in his 50s in the 1981 Grand National. She came second in the Whitbread back in the 70s. She got her licence after the passing of the Sex Discrimination Act. Lizzie and I started by asking Jane what the reaction was to her and her sister Diana riding as females at that time. The press made a lot of, a lot of bad. My sister being a twin sister and she rode too made us about riding under rules but then then there were some other girls that came along too yeah so we were the first one so i think that's why it got the public interested now when you turned up to warwick i mean you've been used to riding in point to point which basically is racing in a field so the facilities are probably pretty primitive for lady jockeys what was it like for you then where were you allowed to go and change? I mean, just basically looking after the racecourses, having to adapt to the new era. I think they found a little room next door to the weighing room. I think that was probably a better place to change than a lot of the others. Like I rode at Cheltenham and I was given a container, a big container, which was in the car park. And it had no light on or anything. It's just one chair. And so I had to open the door to change because I couldn't see, it was pitch dark. And then it looked out onto the car park. That was 1970s female jockey Jane Sloan. In 1987, Gay Calloway, the daughter of former national hunt jockey Paul Calloway, became the first woman to ride a winner at Royal Ascot. Now a racehorse trainer in Newmarket, she moved to New Zealand as opportunities as a jockey were limited for her here. Gay told us what the environment was like being a female jockey in the 1980s. They used to take Mickey out of each other, whoever I'd be. Even Pat Edry took a pull one day he, and Willie finished second to me. And he said, well, I'm not going to be shown up, being beaten by her. That's what their mentality was. And also, I got brought down twice because they wanted to wipe me out because I was getting a lot of publicity because being a woman, the only woman, I mean, I was like, there was no one around, really. There was a handful of us. And um, because I was riding quite regularly, weekly, I kind of got irritated them a bit because I got quite a bit of publicity and I started riding winners. 
you know, it wasn't uh, the given thing. Sort of like we didn't have as many much racing then as well. And obviously rides are quite tough to get with a lot of jockeys. And, you know, you know there's only sort of one race, maybe six rides a day. I got brought down by a guy called Trevor Rogers at Nottingham deliberately. He went from one side of the track straight across me and, and took the legs out of my horse. And I sort of landed on my feet. But, you know, it was a concertina effect because he took other, two other jockeys out, wiped them out. So they're a bit stupid. But I never really thought he got 30 days. Uh, for doing that and it was in the papers and but I never really thought about it I just sort of brushed myself and got on with it I said well it's just pathetic I think that's really interesting because that seems to be a thread that has run through quite a lot of people that we've interviewed so far that you know there wasn't really a conscious decision that that you were going to be taking on men as a female jockey it was just something that you didn't really think about but in terms of you know their behavior towards you you know how did you cope with that you just sort of did you lived in a sort of solitary confinement really and I you know I was bullied I was hit on by a jockey pushing me against a wall and you know sort of sexually harassed me I was bullied by trainers that are training now in the car I, I said to my father I said okay I never said anything to my dad I said is it okay if I go in the horse box said, why? I said, well, I'd rather go with the horse. I never told him they were just bullying me in the car and, you know, just just gave me grief. Every day it was relentless. I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. It felt good to be out of the rain. You've just heard from the first woman to win at Royal Ascot in 1987, Gay Calloway. Now we're going to cross to the States, where we spoke to Julie Crone, an American jockey who rode over 3,500 winners, including becoming the first to win one of America's triple crown races, the Belmont Stakes. She set the pace in the US many years before her female peers across the Atlantic. And we started by asking Julie how difficult a challenge it was to make it as a female jockey in America. Racing is unique where each person is proving something or doing something on their own is that in itself is always going to be like a special moment. Like Lizzie said that it's, it's, it's a moment where you worked so hard and other people can now see that you can do it, you know, that anybody can do it. But at the same time, racing is so unique and so tough that individually, even though maybe collectively a couple of women riders have, you know, broke through and won some really big races and made it possible, but still at the same time, there's, it's such a challenge and such a hard, hard go to, you know, get to that point. Still that person is still going to have to prove themselves and have skills. You know, maybe they're a little bit better than everybody else even. Not giving in. Not giving in. You make it sound simple. Was it an easy environment for you to be accepted? There was never a time in my life when there wasn't always someone saying to me, I will never ride you on a horse because you're a girl jockey. They always stream, you could run that line straight through my whole career. However, how you handle that is important, you know? There was even one point when I would design a, a whole play in my mind, like I was gonna walk up to John Veach, the trainer of Ali Dar, and I was gonna tell him, he loved jokes, right? So I would walk up to him and I would tell him jokes. So I, I walked up to him one day and told him all these jokes. And he's like, Julie, I love your visits every day. And I just wanna let you know, I will never put you on a racehorse. Well, no more than six months later, I'm winning a grade one 
stake for him. And I'm one of their most prominent mayors in the Darby, the Darby Farm line. And then the other person was a, a little, there was another guy when I was younger named Harry Wells. And he was an older guy. And I used to put a little taped on mustache and go to his barn every day. I'd be like, hey, I'm Jack Crone. I'd be like, and he got a big, he got a big kick out of that. Make it so when John Veach said that to me, I turned around on my heels and I was like, okay, thank you, Mr. Veach. And I was like, dude, you just painted a bullseye on your head because I am never going to stop. Back on your career, and do you feel that it had an impact on what came next? Possibly, but that's where that's where um, a few girl jockeys and I have all talked about this extent. Like, I think, yes, it felt like it might have individually inspired people, but collectively racing is just so tough and so hard that uh, to, to be successful that I don't think, you know, I don't think they got to ride on our coattails at all. They have to prove things individually, but it does give people the energy and the inside force to dream and know it's possible. That was hugely successful American former female jockey, Julie Crone. We will hear our exclusive interview with Grand National winning jockey Rachel Blackmore shortly. She speaks about her life-changing national victory, the future for female jockeys, and her personal rise to the top. I was riding out as much as I could. I was scraping through college. I was, I was juggling both those balls. Um, I'd finally finished college at 25, and I literally was at a bit of a crossroads now. I was kind of thinking, you know, I can't continue on with this kind of riding out here, there, and everywhere, and trying to get rising point to points of the weekend. You know, now I'm finished college, and I'm kind of in the big, bad world. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of the TalkSport Daily is brought to you by Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Planning to hire or share a car or van? Enterprise is there every step of the way. Whenever and wherever you need a vehicle and whatever it's for, Enterprise can help. With over 450 locations across the UK, they're just around the corner. Whether you need a weekend rental, a holiday hire, a replacement car, or you're planning a business trip, home or away, Enterprise are there to help. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk.
This is Trailblazers, the groundbreaking female jockeys, with me, Rupert Bell, and two-time Cheltenham Festival winner, Lizzie Kelly. This generation of female jockeys have taken things to a new level, breaking records and conventions, and proving their gender cannot and will not hold them back. It's Mistress Nelly who's got the lead for Holly Doyle. History in the making here. Mistress Nelly is out in front. Holly Doyle for a five-timer. Thunder and Roses and Katie Walsh have come storming up on the near side. What a lady rider she is. It's Ladies' Day at the Grand National. Magnetic charm as they race to the line. And thanks be to Noise Magnetic Charm. Gay Kellaway, the only previous female jockey to ride a winner at Royal Ascot, but Hayley Turner adds her name to the role of honour. Kustar Sivola has cleared the last safely. He's three lengths ahead now with Lizzie Kelly. Kustar Sivola just in front. Shantou Flyer joining him tight between the pair. Wonderful racing memories there for all fans. But for you, Lizzie, that must give you a sense of pride of what is being achieved in the recent years. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the weighing room in itself, you know, the female changing room, for example, was a place where we were all very supportive of one another. And and you know, when when one of us rode a big winner, um, that was a really that was special for all of us. You know, one of the one of my best days racing was actually watching Bridget Andrews um, win at the Charlton Festival. Remelock, Mohayad from Whiskey Sour behind those Chesterfield. Mohayad and Remelock as they race towards the line. Bridget Andrews on Mohayad has won. Sat beside each other for, for a couple of years and really got to know each other. And I'd had my first festival winner on the Tuesday and then... Um, she followed it up later in the week. And it's really important, I think, that that aspect of, of the weighing room does continue to have a supportive and um, and welcoming female changing room because I think that that's made all the difference in the last few years to have people around you that are, you know, showing you that you can turn pro and, and things like that and, and supporting you on your career. Well, Irishman Ruby Walsh is one of the most successful jump jockeys racing has ever seen, winning more races at Cheltenham than any other rider. They can't get near Batour. Who's going to land a festival hat-trick? Another winner for Ruby Walsh. Batour, different gear. While his sister Katie Walsh came close to grand national glory when finishing third on Seabass. Sunny Hill boy and Richie McLaren have got the lead over Seabass and Katie Walsh racing towards the line. Sunny Hill boy and The siblings spoke to Lizzie and I about their experiences. There was nothing that Jennifer or Katie couldn't do that myself or Ted were allowed to do. And she was obviously a very forward-thinking and liberal woman in how she, not persuaded, but encouraged us all to try and uh, achieve as much as we could. So, yes, female riders would be highlighted in the Grand National. But I think because there might be one or two versus 28 lads that were going to board a year off you anyway. So, um, you know, <laughs> a, a bit of difference was always great. But look, 
I you can listen to Lizzie getting emotional and Katie spoke about getting emotional when Rachel won on Honeysuckle. Honeysuckle is applauded by the crowd that is here because that was devastating. She maintains her unbeaten record. Rachel Blackmore goes into record books in the champion hurdle. I got emotional when Rachel Blackmore won the entry Grand National. I saw how hard Katie and Nina and Lizzie had tried to uh, achieve parity and... Uh, promote themselves as, as well as they could and for somebody to break down that barrier yeah I thought it was special I thought it was special for her I thought it was special for racing and I guess having a sister that rode I never looked at Katie as female I never looked at the gender difference I didn't jump the last in Autoy two lengths behind Lizzie Kelly in a grade one hurdle thinking oh I'll catch her because that's a girl in front of me it, that never crossed my mind who was riding what in front of me. It was it, everybody was the same. Now, I can't speak for everyone thinking that way, but that was the way I felt. And to watch Rachel do what she did this year reminded me of what Katie has done, Nina has done, Lizzie has done. And it's a progression of what they have all achieved. Interestingly, Katie, throughout the documentary, you know, we've talked to a, a lot of people, um, a lot of female riders, obviously. And the thread that sort of runs through us, everyone is they didn't really see themselves as different. So, you know, when you started and throughout your career, you know, was that something that you also felt that actually you were just the same as, as everybody else? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was never never thought uh, I was any different from anyone within the way room I just thought the girls got changed in one way room and the lads got changed in the other and that was the only difference and uh, we were all out doing the exact same thing you know probably all working really hard male and female looking for the opportunities to get going and I think that's general consensus across the across the both way rooms whether it be flat and national hunt and the point-to-point field as well I think the biggest thing in our industry is getting the opportunity. It's getting the leg up. I think male or female, it doesn't really matter. And uh, I never, ever was never treated any differently. I never saw myself as being female. And I think, and I've said it more, I've said it before. The minute you see yourself as being female, you're the one with the problem in anything. And looking at the future, what Rachel has done, Holly Doyle and others are doing in UK and Ireland, there is definitely a feeling that it, there is a career pathway now. It will become just the norm and we'll never be doing another documentary like this again. Would that be a, a fair assessment, Ruby? Oh, we'll probably do the documentary again, Rupert, because we have to do something to uh, keep ourselves going, but um, it probably won't, <laughs> carry, probably won't carry as much weight. was jockey siblings Ruby and Katie Walsh. Holly Doyle was the first ever female to ride five winners in one day at Windsor back in 2020. She rode her first Group 1 winner on Champions Day at Ascot the same year and last year rode well in excess of 150 winners. And Trushan enters the final furlong with a growing advantage. Trushan wins the Kipco British Champions Long Distance Cup in the hands of Holly Doyle. Holly started by telling us how she reacted to her colleague Rachel Blackmore's Grand National victory. I was sat at Wolverhampton on the floor with a load of the other lads watching it. Yeah, obviously the Grand Nationals, you know, one of the, the biggest races around, so we were all, all drawn to the TV and obviously I was I was, I was 
watching Rachel the whole way around, really, because, like you do, because I knew she had a right chance. And then um, you could pick her out from a long, a long way out. She was going so well, and um, everyone was delighted for her, really. However, she was feeling it was quite relatable. Whenever I've ridden a big winner, obviously not in comparison to the Grand National, but I've always felt quite surprised and shocked and relieved and, like, never thought I'd be able to do that. So when she won the Grand National, I just imagined how she could be feeling. touched on it there when when we watch other females have big winners it does sort of feel like one for the team doesn't it yeah definitely and um when whoever's written a good winner comes back into the win room you're all there like you know as a team almost yeah it's a great feeling when I was a, a kid coming into the game I never really thought about being a girl yeah but I was always a bit of a tomboy at school yeah. and I wasn't really a girly girl so I didn't really think I, I had to change too much or anything like that but when Hayley rode her Royal Ascot winner I obviously was really hungry to ride one as well and when she did it I was like oh my god I need to do it like it really <laughs> put like, Hayley do it Hayley's ridden group one winners like I can do that you know so um I suppose that did push me Nelly, who's got the lead for Holly Doyle. History in the making here. Mistress Nelly is out in front. Holly Doyle for a five-timer. Can she just hold on? Yes, she can. And racing up towards the line, this progressive staying horse. Trusham wins the Kipco British Champions Long Distance Cup in the hands of Holly Doyle. Beautiful ride. Scarlet Dragon wins. Scarlet Dragon and Holly Doyle punching the air. And then you look at 2020. That was the year that you breakthrough. You had a winner of five, five winners in a day. You had that amazing Champions Day with you and Tom cleaned up. One of the great memories was you, you and Tom walking down Ascot High Street with all your trophies. That recognition at the end of the year, did it surprise you? Yeah, it did really surprise me. <laughs> I was really shocked because, um, like, obviously on a national scale and from out the outside looking in, obviously the day was amazing and what I'd done, I was just, like, gobsmacked. I just couldn't believe I'd ridden a Group 1 winner, but... For me, that's a that was a, a in my timeline on my career that I wanted to. I don't know. It's something that I thought I should be at some point getting, hopefully, to that stage. But I didn't think it would be like that early. You just heard current British jockey Holly Doyle. Equestrian Laura Collett was part of Team GB's gold medal eventing team at last year's Tokyo Olympics, where men and women have competed equally for many years. Laura told us that in her sport, gender hasn't been an obstacle. As far as I'm concerned, it's just what I've always grown up knowing. It's never even been talked about um, differences. It's always just been equal um, men against women and on a completely level playing field, which obviously doesn't happen in, in many sports. I think also women were allowed to ride in eventing in, in the Olympics an awful lot earlier than women were even allowed to ride in a race. You've had top female jockeys doing their business and, and, and being equal, being treated as equals. And I think they, they've proved that they can be equal to, to the men in maybe 10, 20 years' time it will be seen as the normal thing for women and men jockeys to ride against each other and it not be talked about. It was never talked about, it was never thought of like that um, and I was lucky in that respect that I went into a career that was completely gender equal.
was Team GB equestrian Laura Collett. We will hear exclusively from Grand National winning jockey Rachel Blackmore. She speaks about her life-changing national victory, her rise to the top and the future for female jockeys. Being a jump jockey isn't maybe something that a lot of people want to go down that road, male or female, but I think that it makes no odds now. Uh, gender, I think, has gone out the window. The same on the flat, the achievements like Hayley Turner, Holly Doyle recently. Like I just think that conversation is over. This is Trailblazers, the groundbreaking female jockeys, with me, Rupert Bell, and two-time Cheltenham Festival winner, Lizzie Kelly. On the 10th of April 2021, history was made as Rachel Blackmore on Manila Times became the first female rider to ever win the Grand National. She's got her head down! She's driving home! Can she do it? Yes! We have history! The first lady jockey to win the Grand National is Manila Times and Rachel Blackmore. And it's been won for the first time by a lady jockey. Lizzie, that was a very special moment. And I can clearly, not only for what she achieved, but I think just because of your friendship with Rachel, it added a dimension to what she achieved. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Rachel and I met when I first visited Ireland and worked for Willie Mullins and we were in the same group of friends. And I just look back on that time and think at that point, both of us were sort of nobodies really and had absolutely no idea of what we were going to be able to achieve in our careers and so it makes it all the sweeter really knowing you know we've both been there at the very sort of bottom of the pack and managed to work our way up and uh, she's you know long surpassed some of my achievements but it was yeah like you say it was an amazing feat but also f to watch someone that you've seen work their way up from the very bottom to do it is, is amazing. It's really quite emotional because like, you're told from a really young age that you can't do it and Rachel's just proved that you can do it and sorry I don't mean to be so emotional but it means so much to all of us and she's such a nice girl and she really does deserve it. Sorry, I'm just managing to pull myself together. Yeah, I mean she's she is just fantastic and she's you know a role model for all those girls in the sport that they want to make it and you know when when girls start out in the sport and they're, they're, they're laughed at when they say they want to be a jockey 
people are now going to be able to say, well, you know, Rachel Blackmore did it, so I can too. Well, we have been exclusively speaking to the star herself, Rachel Blackmore, as the 2021 Grand National winner opened up to Lizzie and I about her achievements. Lizzie, that reaction really blew me away and what it meant to Lizzie, who'd already achieved quite a lot in the sport. When you hear that, what's your reaction to someone like Lizzie giving in tears when you when you won the National? Look, it was incredible. Um, I actually saw the visual uh, footage. Somebody must have been recording her from behind. I saw that first and that really did blow me away because, you know, your your fellow peers and your fellow jockeys, when you can see that they admire what you've done, I think that means that means a lot. Um, it means more, really, um, you know, getting recognition from the people who have, you know, have been on the path that you were on. That re- is really, really special. Um, so, you know, I, I really was blown away by that as well, to be honest. I suppose the reaction comes from being on the same you know, path, you know, having had the same experiences. And the pinnacle of racing really is, is the Grand National, the race that, you know, everyone knows and watches, even if they just watch racing once a year. Do you feel that you sort of cemented yourself and anything you do now is a bonus. Yeah, look, when you're a jockey, you know, your your achievements are fantastic, but you're you're always looking forward. I think that's the same with any sports person. It's obviously massive doing that, but you're 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 looking ahead to next year and you're you're trying to see can you do it again, I suppose. look back at your career did you always think this was going to be a natural progression did you always see yourself as being a professional jockey or was it just something in the end you sort of fell into I I mean that might be a simplistic way but was it always your ambition to become a top jockey absolutely not um mainly because I never envisaged it was something that I could achieve like it genuinely was never even a dream I had because my dreams couldn't even reach that far as the life I'm living now, um, you know, being associated with such incredible horses, uh, getting rides in Cheltenham on favourites. Like it's it's really a life I never thought I could lead. I always wanted to be a jockey and ride as a jockey. Um, you know, I thought that was going to be as an amateur. Um, but yeah, the opportunities I've been given have just kind of sent my, my riding down a career path, um, which I never thought would ever happen. went to university you rode for um, Shark Handlon quite a bit as uh, as an amateur and as your career progressed you know was there a was there a point when you thought you know this is it now you know I'm now on the path to you know being what you are today you know when was that point I remember like the pair of us going to various things like you know the Cartmel ladies race the diamond necklace and things like that and even then, it didn't really feel like you were the next like elite jockey. Yeah, I I, I know what you mean. Um, I suppose you never really feel like you've you've made it either. You know what I mean? You're 
Yeah. When when was that moment? Probably when kind of outside people started to use me. So when, when Gigginstown started to use me, you know, and that kind of thing, when when people outside of the people that you work for and ride for start to use you, um, that probably instills a lot of confidence in you that, you know, th- these are these are owners and trainers who want you on their horses and you might necessarily have you know, put in the hard yards to get on them, but they're they're giving you an opportunity because they they you know lo- like something about what you're doing or um but but yeah I, I don't know if there's a standout moment it probably was just a kind of progressive thing. Rachel Blackmore just has the advantage to the final flight and Adagio and Quilixios is really battling out in front. Rachel Blackmore has done it again and she's come through with her sixth winner. You know, obviously last year was amazing. You know, you had you had a fantastic year, the Cheltenham Festival most winning rider, followed up by Aintree. Does that pressure from the outside, you know, those external pressures, I suppose you could call them, do they sort of play on your mind? Yeah, like there's there's expectation there for sure. There's definitely some kids who think riding six winners in Cheltenham is, you know, happens every day of the week. And I might go there this year and mightn't ride any. Do you know what I mean? So like your your same ambition going to Cheltenham every year is to try and ride one winner. And and that's how that's how I feel about it now. Like to me, what happened last year was a bit of a, I don't know phenomenon like that you know those things don't happen I was very lucky it was just yeah it was an incredible week obviously I'd love for that all to happen again but I'm fully aware that uh Cheltenham is Cheltenham and it uh it rocks you back down to earth fairly quick things are gonna get easier things will get what do you see the future of of females in the sport being? I think it is, yeah, it's just, it's a level playing field. I think being a jump jockey isn't maybe something that a lot of people want to go down that road, male or female, but I think that it makes no odds now. Uh, Gender, I think, has gone out the window. Same on the flat, the achievements, like Hayley Turner, Holly Doyle recently, like, I just think that conversation is over. And I think if there if there are girls who want to do it like you know that can't be a a negative in their brain at all because there's absolutely no reason for it to be one of the people we interviewed was a lady jockey called jane sloan who changed at cheltenham in a porter cabin which Mm -hmm. had no lights and had to have the door open in the car park that was in (laughs) 1976 i think the world's moved on a bit hasn't it rachel it definitely has um yeah and like you know, that that was not that long ago. I feel so lucky that all those women went before me and and went before me and Lizzie that made our time riding easier. And now because of what they went through and, and getting change in a porter cabin and so on, like, the, you know, things have have dramatically came come forward from that. Um, so, you know, it, it's a big thank you to all those those people that went before the two of us as well. How good is the changing room view at Cheltenham now? Yeah, it's lovely. Um, it has a lovely picture of Nina and Katie jumping the last upsides together. No, it's it's a place I have good memories in. Will you actually send me um the the Lizzie clip as well? It's just I just like to have it because I just think it's so class. And if I'm having a bad day, I'm just gonna listen to it. <laughs>
Well, Lizzie, clearly Rachel and Holly have set the bar high. Is the ground for optimism for female jockeys in racing? Yeah, I think there definitely is. I think that as Holly and Rachel have progressed through their careers, they've basically ticked all the boxes that were left to tick. And now it's down to individuals to choose that path to become professional jockeys. You know, I think the future is very much there for the taking for female jockeys. And and we are seeing more deciding to have a career as a professional, you know, making that move. So the next step for young girls going into the sport, you can see a pathway to make sure that this isn't just a a golden era that then suddenly we're back to square one again. I think it is really difficult because that's what we've seen throughout history is that each era has had two or three trailblazers and then we've sort of had to start again with a new set of trailblazers to follow in their footsteps. You know, we need to see an uptake where the the statistics, you know, the percentage of female jockeys is becoming more equal with the percentage of male jockeys. Regardless of your gender, you know, it is an incredibly tough world to achieve what you know, people like Holly Doyle and and Rachel Blackmore and and others have achieved. So what you're really saying is it's going to be always tough, but Rachel and Holly are certainly grounds for us to celebrate and hopefully there will be more Rachels and Hollies around in the not-too-distant future. Absolutely. You've been listening to Trailblazers, the groundbreaking female jockeys on TalkSport. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk.